Bibles, and I trust that you do, turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 9. Gospel of Mark chapter 9, and we are looking at this, uh, this series that we are in, uh, this, this focus upon Mark here, where we're, where we're focusing upon the life and the ministry and the teachings and the miracles and the amazing moments of Jesus' life as recorded in the Gospel of Mark, which is the most sequential of Gospels. It is the shortest Gospel. You can read through it in about 45 minutes. I've timed it. It's some powerful stuff, and we've been in it for some months, and we're continuing this morning. And we're going to see here one of these great events in Jesus' life that sometimes we just overlook because we just, it's, 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 it's unlike really almost any other time Uh, during his life and his ministry. There are seven persons who are recorded in Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 10. Seven persons. In a moment when we read it, you can count them, you can determine who they are. There, There were three present, there were three who were from the present, not our present, their present. There were three people who were, who were there from the present. There were two people who were there from the past, their past, and there were two who could not and cannot be limited by time. Let me run that by. There were three people who were there in their present. There were two people who who were there from the distant past, and there were two that are mentioned here, that are listed here, who cannot and, and should not be limited by time. Verse 2 reads this way, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And Jesus, it says, was transfigured before them. His clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. I'll come back to that. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. This, that we just read, is the record of Jesus' transfiguration. Verse 2 says Jesus was transfigured before them. That is not a word that we use very much. I don't remember the last time in casual conversation I used the word transfigured. The word is actually a, uh, the, 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 the word that we, that we translate into metamorphosis. 
metamorphose is the word that is used here. It means a, a, a tremendous transformation. It means a complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. Let me give that to you again. The, this word transfigured that you see here in verse 2 means a complete change or of form or appearance into a beautiful or spiritual state. Mark recorded, here we just read it, Mark recorded that, and use your minds, imagine this if you will, he records that Jesus' clothing began to like radiate. It began to glow. It became intensely white. Now, now that would be a remarkable thing to see. This, this is a day, this is a moment or an occasion where there were a lot of amazing events, and this is one of them. This is one of them. Imagine this, if you will. You're standing with Jesus. He pulls you out of the crowd from the rest of the disciples, and you go up to this mountain, don't know exactly what to expect, and suddenly Jesus begins to change. His clothing, Mark records, becomes intensely white and almost begins to glow. But Luke's gospel also records how the appearance of Jesus' face was altered. It says his face was altered. Not just his clothing, but his face. Matthew, in his gospel, said Jesus' face shone like the sun. So again, use that wonderful imagination that God gave you. Jesus, they're with him, suddenly without any warning to them. Jesus knew what was happening, but without any warning, Jesus' clothing begins to turn, turns, I'm sure it just looked like any other clothing. It was not that it was dingy, but it, it wasn't the radiant white. It, it was just regular clothing, but suddenly it, 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 it transforms. But the greatest transformation was not just in his clothing, but in his face. It would be an amazing thing for these disciples to see. Now, let me just pause in the narrative here for a moment. It's interesting that a similar thing had happened to Moses about 1,400 years earlier. The Bible records how Moses' face had also on another occasion changed and how because he was in God's presence, his face began to reflect God's glory. But Jesus' face emanated God's glory. You see, there's a difference. Moses, 1,400 years ago, because of his, his proximity to God, his face was altered, but it was a reflection of God's glory on him. But with, with Jesus, the, the glory of God did not come from outside, but from inside. He emanated God's glory. Moses' appearance changed because he saw the back of God. Jesus' appearance changed because he was God. You know, earlier, I, I, just, I just mentioned, I didn't plan on saying it, but, but we're talking about the glory, the glory of God. Jesus was not simply a nice person who did a lot of nice things 2,000 years ago. Jesus was and Jesus is God. For a few moments, for just a, a brief few moments here on this occasion, it's as if God peeled back the, the veneer can I use the veneer of his humanity and allowed them to see the glory of his divinity? Powerful. Jesus was changed. His appearance was changed because he was. Now, now you, uh, you can imagine. Here's, <laughs> here are these three, these three disciples, Peter, James, and John. When they got up that morning, they didn't know what was coming. <laughs> this was going to be a life-changing day. And, 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 
they, they see Jesus changed. In fact, it, it had such an effect upon them that years later, referring to Jesus, John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote these words. And the words from John chapter 1, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I can't help but I can't help but wonder if years later when, when the Holy Spirit is inspiring him to write that, he remembers back to that day on that mountain when Jesus, when they, when they, as he writes, as he said there in John 1, as we beheld or we have seen his glory. We've seen it, he said. We've seen it. I was there. I saw it. it. Again, pausing in the narrative here, let me just bring it down to you and I. People never forget who we worship. He, he, he's not a, simply a person from history. He's not simply a person with, with documented good things that he did a long time ago. Again, he's not simply the, the, the person who was placed in a manger many years before this and, and that gives us a nice story. He's not, he's not your big buddy up in the sky. He's not this person who some regard as an absolute lunatic. He's not a person who is simply a community organizer. He wasn't simply a person who started an organization. He is God, and we must worship him accordingly. When we gather together in a time like this and, and, and the music begins to play and we stand and, and people stand up, please remember, this: we're not just singing a song, we're giving glory to the one who is full of God's glory. He's God. He's God. And it changes. Just like it changed them, it should change me. When I get an understanding of who I'm worshiping, He's God. It, it changes me. So, Again, back to the text here, the, the disciples, the disciples were amazed when this happened to Jesus. I wouldn't wouldn't you love to see their faces as they see this happening? I'd like to see that picture. I don't, I don't know if they're elbowing each other. I don't think I think they're just focused on Jesus. But um, amazing things were continuing to to happen because verse 4 says Moses and Elijah appeared and began speaking with Jesus. Now again, pardon my little bit twisted sense of humor, but I think that their minds are almost to go into a little bit of overload here. Because to see Jesus, this one that they've been walking with for over two years, suddenly take on a, 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 an amazingly different appearance was one thing, but now suddenly there are two people from their history, there are two people from from distant history, two people from their illustrious history appear and begin standing with and talking with Jesus, Moses and Elijah. Now, how, how did they know it was Moses and Elijah? Well, because they had name tags, of course, that thing, Moses and Elijah. No, I, and, and I don't think there was a little bubble above them that said Moses, and they didn't have photography, they didn't know what they looked like. I believe that the Lord just revealed it to them. Do you know that when we get to heaven, we are going to know things that he just puts into our heads. We're going to know things about things that, that, that our minds right now are just too limited. But we're, just, we're, going, to know, we're going to know him, him as he is known. I believe, again, while this brief moment here, while Jesus's, his, his, the veneer of his humanity was peeled back, I believe for a brief moment they understood who this was. And 
all of a sudden there's Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Again, I would love to see their face. I'd love to see their face when suddenly these two people from hundreds of years before suddenly show up. By the way, by the way, I add this, and I think this is important. By the way, uh, Moses and Elijah had stood on other mountains. As I was studying this text, I got thinking, you know, these guys, they're on a mountain here. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration, but uh, they had stood on other mountains. The Bible records how Moses was called by God on a mountain. Remember that, that burning bush thing? That was on a mountain. And uh, uh, later on, God gave Moses the law, part of which is the Ten Commandments, big part of it, uh, on a mountain. And then about 40 years later, God allowed Moses to see the promised land from a, a mountain. So Moses knew something about mountains. Elijah also knew something about mountains. The Bible records how God restored Elijah from depression and exhaustion on a mountain. And it was also, perhaps you remember the story, it was also on a mountain that following a brief prayer uh, that Elijah made, God sent fire down and consumed the sacrifice. That happened on a mountain. So here are these two people, Elijah and Moses, great persons from Jewish history who spent a lot of time on a mountain. Now they're on another mountain. But on this mountain, they were brought to Jesus. I don't know how it exactly happened. God brought them in. We certainly are aware of that. Who else can do it? These guys, uh, uh, well, Elijah never died. He was taken he was, he was taken away. I'll share a little bit more about that here in a moment. But, but, but how, how, how uh, these people who had been gone for hundreds of years, God brought them back on this mountain. By the way, the Bible does not record Elijah and Moses' responses to this, but I can't help but think that this mountain had to be their greatest mountain experience. And I point that out. These guys who'd spent a lot of time on mountains, now they're standing with Jesus on this mountain, and they're talking with him. I shared this briefly last week, uh, and, I, and I, I just really feel like I need to repeat it, that in, in our lifetimes, we're going to have a lot of experiences. I say this particularly to younger people. You're going to have a, a whole lot of experiences in your lifetime. Um, you're going to have some really big moments. You're going to have what we call some mountaintop experiences. I mean, some of the people you're going to meet, some of the experiences you're going to have, some of the places you're going to go, some of the things that you will learn, the things that you will accomplish, there are going to be many. But I promise you this, there will never be a moment as great as when you begin to serve Jesus and those moments with him. And it's my prayer for every person here, particularly those who are younger, who have quite possibly many more years than those of us who are older prior to Jesus' return, that the greatest moments that you'll ever live will not be where you go, what you do, who you meet, but who you serve. That Jesus, that the times that you meet with him will be your greatest moments looking back. Um, A couple verses earlier at the end of chapter 8 of Mark, uh, verse uh, verse 36, it says, What will it profit someone to gain the whole world but lose their soul? Um, you can have a lot of mountaintop experiences, but, but if you miss that, those mountain experiences with Jesus, you've missed it all. 
So Moses and Elijah were talking with Jesus. But, but here's what's interesting, and though this is recorded, though this is, is recorded in all three, Mark's gospel does not record what they were talking about. What were they talking about? There, it says here that they appeared and they were talking with Jesus, but what were they talking about? Again, Mark doesn't say, but Luke, in his gospel, records that Moses and Elijah spoke with Jesus about his departure. That's the word that is used in, in Luke's gospel. They were speaking with Jesus about his departure. One translation says that they spoke with Jesus about his decease or his death. Did you ever know that? In this Mount of Transfiguration, when these guys showed up, th there, was a, there was a purpose in it. God had a plan for these men to show up, speak with Jesus, but they were speaking about his departure. An interesting little thing here. The Greek word that is translated here as departure or decease is the Greek word exodos. Exodos. It's from exodos that we get the word exodus or exit. Uh, a couple different places here in this room, you'll see the word exit. The, the root word of that is exodos. It means to depart or to leave this way. That's interesting because remember, here's Moses and Elijah, and let me tell you, these men know something about exodos. Think about this for a moment. Moses, Moses was the one that God used to deliver God's people out of Egypt, Egyptian slavery, and he knew something about exodos. In fact, that's the second book of the Bible. It's the account of God's people departing Egypt. And so here's Moses, and he's talking to Jesus about Jesus' exodus, Jesus' exit, Jesus' departure, and here's a man who knows something about departures. Elijah. Elijah, his exodus, his exit, his departure, was probably the most amazing exits recorded in Scripture. Very briefly, here it is. The Bible says that at a certain designated time, Elijah and his successor were, successor were walking along, and God suddenly, um, though Elijah knew this was about to happen, God suddenly sent a whirlwind and took him up in a whirlwind accompanied by fiery chariots and horses. Now, that is like the most amazing exit ever. If you saw that exit, you would never forget it. His exodus was amazing to behold. Here, these men were talking to Jesus about his exit, about his departure, about his death. Did you ever notice that? They're talking to Jesus God dispatched, God sent Elijah and Moses, these illustrious persons from their history, God sent them to speak with Jesus about 10 months before his own death on the cross, before his own exit. God sent them to speak with Jesus. This was intentional. God was preparing and encouraging Jesus before his death, God intentionally sent these men who themselves knew something about exits. This is where it gets a little bit, a little bit tricky because we, we, in this moment where we see Jesus' divinity, 
uh, displayed, we can't forget that he was also the Son of Man, and that that this was that the that his death on the cross was going to be physically and emotionally and spiritually arduous. And God, in His great plan, preparing Jesus, the the human part of Jesus, preparing Him. God sent Elijah and Moses to get him ready for his own exodus, his own departure. God was preparing his son. Listen, listen, believer in Christ, listen to me. Some of you this means much more than others, but it means something to all of us. Listen to me. If you are the Lord's, if you are his, if you have surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you know that that you are ready to see Him, though we may not be in a hurry to do so through death, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you need to know that God can prepare you for your departure. Think about that. I think most people here would agree that God prepares us for the big moments in our lives. He prepares us, you know, Somebody's praying for you and you're about to start school. <laughs> Those of you who are parents here, you prayed for your kids. You prayed for them. You, you pray, God, get my child ready for school because it's, it's a big moment. And, and then later on, they go off to college. Some of you have done that in recent weeks. You've prayed for your children and they've gone off to college. and You know God's been preparing them and preparing that place. You get married and you, prepare, you pray for your kids You pray for the next generations and all of these life changes. Don't you think that God can prepare us for our deaths? That's a pretty significant thing in our lives. Now, I don't know when that is. But as a pastor, I've, I've spent enough time with people to know how and see, literally see how God is preparing them for their own death or preparing them for the death of a loved one. Some of you are looking over at that person and you know that it, it may not be all that long or it could... I want you to know that God can prepare you for that loss and that this really significant life change that happens because of death, either our own or someone close to us. We have a Savior, we have a Lord, we have a God in heaven who has a way of preparing us. And I say that because some of you are right now living with some anxiety you're living with some fear, um, anxiety is fear, about some of these major changes that are imminent. But I want you to know that God, if you are His, it's conditional, if you are His, He can prepare you and He will prepare you. Luke's Gospel says Moses and Elijah were not just talking with Jesus, but they were standing with Jesus. It says they were standing with Him. Uh, Luke's Gospel makes that very clear. They They were not just talking there, hovering above the earth, which I guess if you come back from, you know, hundreds of years, you can can hover. But no, it says that they were standing with Jesus. That is very significant. That's very significant, especially for Moses. And this too relates to us. It's kind of an eclectic thing here. There's not really a common theme in many of these, uh, these, these miraculous events here, but, but this is significant. Let me explain. As I mentioned a moment ago, 14 centuries earlier, God had used Moses to deliver his people out of Egyptian slavery. 
Moses was the man. God called him, equipped him, gave him the tools, and then used him to deliver God's people from slavery. And then, following that, for 40 years, Moses faithfully and carefully led God's people to the very entrance of the promised land. For 40 years, for 40 years, Moses led hundreds of thousands of often complaining and frequently rebelling people through some of the harshest terrain on the planet. If your reward in heaven is gauged and measured by the size of the house, when you get to heaven, look for the biggest house, and that's quite possibly Moses's. Moses went through so much carefully and faithfully leading God's people. And if anyone looked forward to the promised land, and if anyone deserved the promised land, it was Moses. But, some of you may know his story, but because of a terrible moment of angry disobedience, the Bible says that God did not allow Moses to enter the promised land. Again, he stood on a mountain and he saw the, looked over into it, but he, the Bible says that he died before he entered the promised land. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. Now, I'm not disagreeing with God, and I'm not saying God was wrong. He wasn't. God's never wrong. God had a purpose in that. I just don't like it. I got to tell you, I don't like it when I see people's God-given dreams unfulfilled for one reason or another. I don't like it. It's disturbing to me. It's bothersome to me when I see people whose, for whatever reason, whose lives are cut short. I, I don't like it when when plans are made and, and, and all of the preparations are carried out and then right at the very point of it, it doesn't happen. I don't like the fact that one year ago, a, a former associate of mine, a dear friend, they had a birthday for their 18-year-old son and the next day he was killed in a car accident. I don't understand that. I don't like it. It's bothersome to me. When all the plans and preparations, like Moses, all the plans and preparations are made, but then you don't actually live it out. That's why this moment meant so much to Moses. Because while Moses could not enter the promised land, the mountain he now stood upon was in the promised land. Did you ever notice that? You know what that tells me? He made it. Now again, I'd, I'd like to know more about this story, but I can't help but wonder when his feet, because it says he stood with Jesus, when his feet down, he's pretty impressed to be with Jesus, but he's looking around and he's thinking to himself, I made it. Here I am. This is the promised land. And I point out this little simple fact about, about this. I want you to get this. God has all of eternity to make up for anything you missed here. Let me say it again. God has all of eternity to make up for anything you missed here. You ever stood over a grave and go, oh, feel so bad they were about to, they were about, he just retired and now he can't enjoy it. But you know what? If that person is a follower of Jesus Christ, he's enjoying it. 
And he has all of eternity to enjoy. Presence of God, right? Sometimes we, we look at the, the fulfillment of God's plan as having to happen within the parameters of our physical birth and physical death. And we look at these things and we go, oh man, he, he, he was, she was so faithful. They, they, they labored so hard. They prayed so much. She, she prayed for her family and, and she never lived to see them come to Jesus. Uh, you know what? When her family themselves arrive in heaven, she's going to celebrate for all of eternity. God has all of eternity to make up for anything you missed right here. And I find a tremendous amount of comfort in that. Because there's, there's going to be some things that I've prayed for. There are going to be some things that you've prayed for. Some things that we anticipate that we may never see this side of heaven. But glory to God, we have all of eternity to rejoice in that. One more amazing thing happened. Perhaps the most amazing thing. Verse 5, it says, Peter, who didn't know what to say, started talking. Notice that there in verse 5. It says, for he did not know what to say. Um, get, get, and let, me, let me just add, add something here um, before we get to the amazing part. If you don't know what to say, don't start talking. But this, is, this is classic Peter. I mean, this is vintage Peter. <laughs> Peter. Peter's motto was, ready, fire, aim. That's what, that, that was Peter. <laughs> and, and Peter, not knowing what to say, started talking. I'm, I'm just, this doesn't have, to, this is a good spot. If you, if you don't have anything good to say, stop talking. Thank you. Amen. I'm going to run that by you again. If you don't have anything good to say, stop talking. Amen. Thank you. It's true. Because if <laughs> just let the Holy Spirit carry that right into your heart, some of you. It's true. Sometimes we just, you know, I have, there have been some times in my life when I regretted not saying something. How many here have, seriously, let me see your hand. How many here have, at times, regretted not saying something. Let me see your hand. How many here have, at some point in your life, regretted saying something? One foot up, yeah. <laughs> Peter, who didn't know what to say, started talking. Um, and he proposed building three tents to memorialize this convergence of greatness. This was a bit of a tradition. Oftentimes when a mountaintop, literal mountaintop experience happened, they would build like a little tent or a memorial or, or they would gather some branches and, and make, a, make a kind of a shelter there to memorialize what, what was happening. So Peter, without thinking, he said, hey, this is a significant, we are so glad that we're here. This is an amazing thing. Jesus, uh, Moses, Elijah, let's build, he's thinking he's being generous, let's build three tents. Let's build three tents. Remember this moment. It was a dumb thing to say. Because in proposing this, Peter essentially put Jesus and these two men from history on a similar level. And that, 
That is when the third amazing thing happened that day because God the Father, God the Father, one of the few times in Scripture that God spoke from heaven down to earth, God the Father out of heaven spoke, verse 7, He said, This is my beloved Son, listen to Him. Wouldn't you like to see their face right then? You know, Peter, I love Peter. He's one, of the, he's, one of the, he's one of the only persons in Scripture who was rebuked by God himself. That's big. And that's what this was. This was both a rebuke and a directive from God himself. God said, this is my son. Listen to him. This is, this is my beloved son listen to him he's not disparaging elijah and moses he just won't allow anyone else to be on the same level as his son this is my son listen to him what a great statement from god himself and i and i i i bring this to us in a time in which our attention and in a time in which our devotion and in a time in which our passions are so easily misplaced, it is also a directive to us. We live in a time, though I suppose everybody lives in a time in which our passions and our devotions can be misplaced. I suppose everyone, but it seems like, at least in my lifetime, there are so many competing voices for our attention. There are so many competing voices for our time. And I see so many people giving their time and their devotion and their energy, energy to so many different things, some of them noble, some of them benign, and some of them ungodly. But God out of heaven was telling those three and he's telling every person who's ever read it, read it since that time that, that, that Jesus is to be the focus and the center of our devotion and we are to listen to him. I was, uh, I was watching the Ellen DeGeneres show the other day. And uh, right now some of you are thinking, oh man. I was. I, I watched it. Actually, I watched El, Ellen. That's what it's called. I watch it about every couple of months. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, watch it. Please don't leave until I explain. All right. <laughs> uh, about every two months, I give blood down here at the United Blood Services, and it, I just schedule it every time because I just say, "Yeah, you want to give blood again? Yeah, but two months from now." So I put it down, and I got to change it because it's always during the Ellen show. <laughs> And so I'm in the chair, they strap me down, they strap me down, and uh, actually, no, they just got a strap here. And, um, the most painful thing is not the needle. It's, and I'm, I, I'm, I was bothered this last week, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm watching this, because they have it on, and I'm thinking, is this what people are listening to? Is this, is this the advice that they're getting in this world? Is, is this the person who's speaking into their life? Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not comparing Ellen with Moses and Elijah. They were good voices, but, but so often we listen to so many other voices that speak death rather than life. 
Because after 15 or 20 minutes of listening to this, and I'm trying to read something else, but it's right there, and, and it's like, I don't, I don't want to listen to this, but is this the voice that's speaking into people's lives? Who are we listening to? Who are we listening to in this world? Whose voice has captured our attention? You want to see God do great things in your life? You want to see Him do amazing things in your body, in your life, in your family, in your world? Then listen to Him. But to listen to Him, you're going to have to turn some other things off. To listen to Him, it, it may mean you turn off the... It may, be a good, it may be good stuff, but turn it off because you're giving too much time to that rather than time to Him. And I say that, oh, there's so many voices, but to... Push them all aside. I want to listen to him because, by the way, he's the only one who can change my eternity. Jesus. Do you understand and worship Jesus for who he is? He is God. By the way, at the end of Revelation, who the Holy Spirit used John who saw this. John, years later, describes Jesus... In much the Jesus in heaven, glorified, when we all gather together, he describes Jesus much as Jesus is described here in Mark chapter 9. He's God. Do you worship him as God? Do you give him glory? Do you honor, respect, and delight in his glory? Worship him for who he is. Not just a good teacher or miracle worker. He's God. Do you know that the greatest moments you will ever know have Jesus at the center of them? That the most important mountaintop experiences will not be a graduation or a marriage or the birth of a loved one? The greatest mountaintop experiences will not be that promotion, will not be that accomplishment. The greatest moment in your life will be when you stand with Jesus. Are you ready for your exit from this world? That's a question that I ask. Are you ready for your exodus? Are you ready for your departure? Jesus went to the cross and he died and he rose from the dead so that we can be ready for our exodus. And he can prepare you eternally, but also in other ways. He can prepare you and your loved ones. Are you anticipating the joys and the fulfillments of eternity? Or are you looking and thinking, well, if God's going to answer my if, if he's going to bless me, if he's going to use me, if he, it's going to have to be in the parameters of between life or birth and, and death, physical death. But, but, but are you anticipating? Are you anticipating the joys of eternity? And finally, are you listening to him? Are you listening to him? Is he the voice that you listen to? Is it his voice that overrides all of the others? Is it his voice that you're listening to? This morning I want to pray with you. We're almost out of time here. I know that it being Labor Day and there's a lot of plans and, and purposes, but before we leave here, I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. The, the eclectic things that happened on a Mount of Transfiguration are not recorded by Mark, Luke, and Matthew 
for purposes of history. They're recorded for purposes of application. What's the Lord spoken to you today? How has His Holy Spirit ministered to you today? I'd like you to stand with me if you could, please. Stand with me. And I want to pray over you. Again, these altars are going to be open. There will be people here to minister to you and pray with you. But um, and, and, and by the way, if for you, you are not ready to, for your exodus, if you're not ready for your departure, there's going to be someone down here who will pray with you so that you can know, not just hope, but know that you have eternal life. And, uh, but I want to pray with you before we make our way out of this building. Again, these altars are open. Before we leave this place, I want to pray that whatever it is the Lord's wanting to speak through this number of things that are in this text, I want, may the Lord speak it into our hearts. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you for Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 10. I thank you for, Father, for making all of this happen, for directing your son Jesus to pull those disciples out and take them. I I thank you for your son who was glorified in that day and someday we will see him truly as he is. Not as the not as the rabbi with dirty feet, though I'm very grateful for that. I'm, we, we study his life, ministry. But I thank you for God who became flesh and dwelled among us. The glory of the Father. We beheld his glory full of grace and truth. And someday we will see him, your son, there. Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming and dying on the cross for me changing my life, transforming my family, making such a difference in people's lives here in this room. I thank you for delivering so many people here in this room from so many things. I thank you for the mountaintop experiences that they have experienced with you and the the mountaintop experiences that they will experience with you. May may you be at at the very center of the greatest moments of their life. Thank you, Jesus, that you're preparing us not just for a retirement or a graduation, but you're you're preparing us for eternity. And you're preparing us for that, that transition that takes us into eternity. I thank you, Jesus, that again and again and again through your word, you, you draw our attention away from the things of this world some that are good, some that are neutral, and some that are just deadly, spiritually deadly. But again and again, you, you draw our attention from all of those things and put it back on yourself. Lord, may you be the very center of our worship, the very center of our high and holy moments. May you be the very center of our lives. May you be the center of our attention. It's all about you. You are God's beloved Son. Help us, we pray, to listen to you. Now, Lord, as as people leave this place and fellowship together, grow together, minister together, 
as they go into this week and they're facing some tremendous challenges, may your Holy Spirit go before them, prepare, prepare them. I ask your much blessing upon them as again, Lord, we leave this place. We leave this place in love with you. We leave this place loving others in demonstrable ways. We leave this place sharing you because you are the only message that we have. You are the only hope that this world has. You are the only answer that this world needs. Your blessing upon us, either around these altars or as we go our way. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe all of that, say amen. I believe you believe it. God bless you. Go in the presence and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ.